Hello, you, and welcome to You Are Good, a feelings podcast about movies. Today, we're talking about Forrest Gump. We're talking about it with our great friend, Chelsea Weber-Smith. I am one of your hosts, Alex Steed, and I will soon be joined by my marvelous co-host, Sarah Marshall. Forrest Gump is a 1994 American comedy drama film directed by Robert Zemeckis and written by Eric Roth. It is based on the 1986 novel of the same name by Winston Groom, and it stars Tom Hanks, Robin Wright, Gary Sinise, McKelty Williamson, and Sally Field. Our great friend Chelsea Weber-Smith, who joins us for this episode, is the host of American Hysteria. We love Chelsea. This is from a conversation we had at San Francisco Sketchfest not very long ago. This was recorded there live. You know, You Are Good, a feelings podcast about movies is a place where we talk about movies and uh, the feelings they evoke within us, what it speaks to with regard to the human experience, how we are people in the world, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the conversations are usually fun and they're deep in one way or another. And then the uh, live performance adds this whole performative element to it as well. You might remember that last week I said that this week, we would be talking about Brokeback Mountain with Sam Sanders. Uh, however, we encountered some production gremlins, as happens sometimes when you're recording things. And so you are not going to hear that conversation. We will be joined by Sam again extremely soon. So you'll be hearing Sam's voice in this podcast in the very, very near future. We will eventually at some point cover Brokeback Mountain, but we're going to let that conversation recede from our memories before we do that so that we can come at you with something fresh. But anyway, thank you for your understanding of the fact that when you are dealing with recording and digital media, sometimes the shit just hits the fan. That's just how it is. You can support You Are Good, a feelings podcast about movies by uh, finding us over on Patreon and Apple podcast subscriptions, uh, giving us some support there. Uh, Everyone who does that makes the show possible. And everyone who does that uh, is helping compensate creatives in an economy that seems increasingly less concerned about doing that by the day. So we uh, know it's kind of, you know, a unique thing to throw some money at folks who are making things for your ears. And we appreciate that Uh, you make this whole thing possible. In exchange, you get bonus episodes. Uh, Ideally, we have an episode about Lars and the Real Girl coming out this month. Uh, You know, we're talking about movies with love themes, and you won't be surprised to hear that we're talking about movies that uh, speak to the love experience uh, in sometimes a bit of a sideways fashion, but do it nonetheless. Last month, we talked about Barbie. Who knows what we're talking about? this upcoming month in March. But uh, there's something for you if you support us. And again, we couldn't appreciate it more. Quick note, this show comes out on Wednesdays and I am now hosting a live conversation series on Wednesday evenings, five o'clock Pacific, eight o'clock Eastern, usually about an hour long. It's on Twitch. So if you're listening on February 14th, uh, 2024, when this episode comes out this evening, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, I'll be talking with great friend of the show, Nico Stratus. The show is called Average Stories. It's on Twitch. You can just hear us talk about stuff, see us talk about stuff. Uh, I may release it in audio form at some point in the future, but but join us. We're going to have people that you have some familiarity with or appreciation for or know through this show or know through friends of this show. Average Stories on Twitch, linked in the show notes. I'm an advocate for ceasefire. If you uh, are are touched uh, in any way by what you're seeing, 
happening in Gaza. Uh, there is a link in our show notes, another link you can find in our show notes is to the Palestine Children's Relief Fund. And you can give materially on top of finding and getting involved in whatever ceasefire actions are happening in and around your area. All right, with the heavy stuff out of the way, I should let you know that you can find us on social media at You Are Good or You Are Good Pod. Uh, we're making stuff all the time. We're interacting with the world. Those are the places that you can find us and let us know uh, what's new in your world. What are you reading? What are you thinking about? What is bringing you joy? How are your head and your heart doing? What is going on in your world? Let us know over there. And you know, while you're thinking about that sort of thing and letting us know either uh, in tangible form or beaming it out from your head and from your heart. Don't forget that you, my friend, are good. Thank you so much for being here. All right. That's enough from me for right now. I think we should probably uh, get into it. Let's talk about Forrest Gump. Let's talk about Forrest Gump's beard. Let's talk about running. Let's talk about Bubba. Let's talk about Lieutenant Dan and uh, finding ourselves very strangely and intensely attracted to Gary Sinise. <laughs> I can't speak for you, but these are some of the things that we are about to get into. Let's talk Forrest Gump with Chelsea Rubbersmith live from San Francisco Sketchfest. Hello, Sarah Marshall. Hello, Alex Steed. Hello, Chelsea Weber-Smith. Hello, Alex Steed. Hello, Sarah Marshall. Hello, Chelsea Weber-Smith. Thrilled to be here. What movie are we talking about today? The unparalleled Forrest Gump. Do you have any Gump heads out there? Yeah, any Gump heads here? Yeah. Anyone who's <laughs> open to try? <laughs> Sarah Marshall, tell me, mm-hmm. what is your relationship with the movie Forrest Gump before you watched it at uh, 7 a.m. this morning? I watched it at 11 a.m. Oh, because I do not get up early to cry unless I'm really forced to. But I've talked many times on this show about how I spent a good chunk of 2003 sitting in front of the TV watching the TNT network while doing my homework. Badly, I might add. <laughs> and the three things that were on the TNT network so consistently that I cannot remember basically anything else that was on were Law and Order reruns, Hell yeah. John Emile's copycat, <laughs> and Forrest Gump. So it's a movie that like I feel like if you're of that era or if you grew up in the 90s or the OOs, then it just sort of seeped into your pores whether you wanted it to or not. And this movie, I looked it up, it made... Like $672 million, which in 1994 money is about twice, or in 2000, whatever number we're in now, 2024, that's the year it is, and this year's money is like twice that much. So Forrest Gump, I would like to submit, was the Barbie of its time. Yeah, that's what they're saying. Um, Chelsea, you brought this movie to us. What is your, and we're going to get into this in a bigger way. Chelsea will tell us about their relationship with it. Sarah will walk us through the plot and then we'll go even bigger with trying to decipher what the fuck happened. I'm going to run us through the plot. Run us through. Uh, Chelsea, what is your relationship with uh, Forrest Gump? So yeah, I grew up like Sarah watching it on TNT all the time and it was 
two hours and 20 minutes. And so with commercials that could just, you could that's, just stretch it through the whole affair. day. You know? <laughs> yeah. You're just like, yeah. what are you doing today? It's well, a full sick day. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole experience. So I think that one of the reasons that I love this movie so much is because I love history and it's like this really amazing way to teach history to, I think children who mostly didn't get what was going on, but like picked up a few things along the way because it spans you know a cool 30 years maybe of history I think. we end in like the early 80s like because the woman on the bus at the bus stop at the start of the movie I had to check in, in on this because I was like that I swear to God, that's a People, people magazine yes. with Nancy Reagan on the cover. Oh, I, I saw that yeah. too. I was like, look, that's Nancy. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. can spot her from a mile away. And so, yeah, we start in like around 1957, which is when Elvis first went on the Ed Sullivan show. Like the timeline's a little bit wobbly, but basically, yeah, mid 50s until early 80s. Which is kind of, this movie is a bit like we didn't start the fire. Oh my God, yeah. 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 This movie is a boomer wet dream. Like, <laughs> yeah. they're just like, we yeah. did it. <laughs> and I think it was like, even though there was, it was, it's a rich text. I keep saying it is a rich text. Um, it worked for kids for some reason because it was just this like very lovable, bumbling person just getting into all kinds of adventures. And that is the essence of it. But then there are also all of these like very relevant and not always, not always handled with grace. <laughs> you know, political moments throughout it that I, I really, uh, I think I connected to like in my future self. I was like, you're going to really appreciate this one day. I cried seven times. Yeah, maybe. I think me yeah. too. About and seven. not little cries, big ones, <laughs> big cries. What about you, Alex? What's your cry? What's your body count for cries? <laughs> I, I was edging tears, I would say, <laughs> for at least a full hour. <laughs> That's a good band name, Edging Tears. (laughs) Really good. Finally let go. But I I had never seen this movie before. And um, because I was a fucking... Crucify him! Crucify him! Because I was a snob. Like, this was the year that Pulp Fiction came out and you had to make a choice. And they went head-to-head for Best Picture. This was like a real moment Did Shawshank, was at the same time? It was the same year. I don't know. But there were three pictures that came out this year. There was Pulp Fiction... There was Shawshank Redemption and there was Forrest Gump. There were other ones, but we're not talking These about These were this. the only ones. And when they came out, like when Nirvana came out, it was like Guns N' Roses or Nirvana and pick the right one. And that's how I felt about this for a hundred years was I was like, never will I watch this trash. And um, finally I saw I wanted to cry uh, for a full half of the movie because it just deals, especially because it felt like it was boomer nostalgia at the time. And I'm now the age when you were nostalgic about a lot of things. I was like, I get it, I get it, I get it. Um, so I, I just knew like the greatest hits from Boris Gump. I know that he wipes his face off and there's a smiley face sweatshirt. The absolute low point of the film yeah. was like the Shroud of Turin. Yeah. <laughs> I knew the greatest hits, but I didn't know anything else. But so I wanted to go, I did want to go and like look at reviews to understand oh, like what, what people broadly reviews think of this movie. Reviews by top critics or reviews no, by randos? No, I would never. Yeah. Um, Sarah and I, for whatever reason, only watch movies that we can rent on YouTube. So we we pay the YouTube money, and uh, they give you the movie, and then you have to like just you gotta look put at, your money in the tube. <laughs> you just have to look at what Rube said about the movie underneath it. Um, I, there is at least one Amazon review. I'm sorry, masterpiece. Can you believe this movie was released in the same year as Pulp Fiction and Shawshank Redemption? What a year for cinema. Aww. 
Um, he's a moron, but goddamn, the man has a big heart. I have a friend just like that. He's the most unselfconscious person I've ever known, mostly because he just doesn't get it when people are making fun of him. But boy, but that boy can work. Wow. And that that really speaks to some of the ideology of Forrest Gump we're gonna have to talk about in a little bit. Uh-huh. Then this my I love the Amazon one. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Arrived on time and packaged well. I'm glad it came with a slip cover. However, it does have scuff marks in the corners. Other than that, good purchase. Hanks was very good. Blu-ray still overpriced. <laughs> Watch with a chick. <laughs> I would like to know more about what that is means because it's a little. I can see an argument where you should watch Forrest Gump with a woman who you think has been unnecessarily ambivalent about you. <laughs> <laughs> and but I don't see it working very well. So that was the that was my review ride. I guess before we go any further, we should try to convey to all of you what Forrest Gump is about. I uh, guess. Sarah, would you mind taking us on that journey? I'm going to try. We're going to start off running and we're going to keep running. And we're just going to keep running until a cult starts following us around. <laughs> run, Sarah, run. <laughs> the realest part of this movie is he starts a cult without even trying. <laughs> I love, well, that's how the movie chooses to represent the late 70s. And you're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So remember the latter half of the middle part of the 20th century? That's what this movie is about. Do you remember that? Um, okay. So, Kelsey, I'm going to, I think should kind of weave this together because this movie is more in your blood than it is in mine, but it's still pretty in there as because I'm an American and that's what happens. We have our bodies are just crammed with microplastics and Forrest Gump moments. (laughs) But Forrest Gump begins in small town, Alabama in the fifties. And that, what is the name of the town? Greenbow. Greenbow. In Greenbow County. Uh (laughs) And well, and really we open by watching a feather, drift very prettily through the sky. And this movie, okay, to frame what we can imagine people were expecting from this, this movie is directed by Robert Zemeckis, who had recently made (laughs) Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Death Becomes Her. (laughs) That is so wild. Yes. so wild. He just made camp. Yeah. That's it. And so after he made the movie about, like, the glamorous uh, Hollywood bitches you know, hitting each other with shovels. He kind of dusted himself off and decided to do this. And this is such an interesting movie, partly because it's using, you know, really peak visual effects technology at the time, but in an extremely unobtrusive way, or at least what's trying to be unobtrusive. Chelsea, what's, what are your <laughs> I, thoughts? <laughs> I, when I'm, okay, so part of, one of the coolest parts of Forrest Gump is them repurposing real footage and editing it so Forrest Gump is in all of these. Like, the trick does wear thin after you've seen it maybe three to five well, times. <laughs> no, I think they do a great job except when they make the characters talk and say different yeah. things and yeah. then they look like characters from GoldenEye for Nintendo 64 a little bit to me. And some of it works. And to me, the low point of this trick is when they have Forrest go on Dick Cavett and the other guest is John Lennon. (laughs) And he's like, in China, they ain't got no possessions. And John Lennon's like, no possessions. (laughs) They don't have any religion. (laughs) 
And Dick Cavett's like, that's hard to imagine. It's just like, yeah, there's something about, I don't know, it's interesting to think about the choices made in the edit for this movie. But so we open with kind of the first of these effects, which is this feather fluttering down and it reaches Forrest, or who we will certainly learn, learn is Forrest. It's Tom Hanks wearing uh, a, his nice blue check shirt. This is an homage that I'm wearing, thank you. And proceeds to do what in today's TikTok language we would call absolutely trauma dump on a poor woman who is simply waiting for a bus. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. Is the, what is the first thing he tells this nice black lady who is sitting on a bench minding her business? The first thing he tells her is I'm named after the creator of the Ku Klux Klan. Which was a real surprise for someone who never saw this very famous movie. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that it really begs the question of how, how racist is Forrest Gump's mom? <laughs> <laughs> because she's very lovely. Sally Field plays a, a lovely, you know, mother in this. But you have to say, like, at the end, I always come back to, like, but you did name your son. He explains the logic in a way that I didn't. Do you, Sarah, do you understand this logic? The logic is that she named him that because everybody makes mistakes. And so does that mean that she named her child after the founder of the KKK the way that when your dog kills a chicken, you're supposed to like tie the chicken around its neck so it doesn't do that again? No one grew up on a farm. I, I actually know people who've done this. <laughs> yeah, we did that with our dog Jess. May she rest. But does that logic does that logic make sense to you, or like how how do you read that description? I mean, I guess if the logic only applies to this white man learning a special lesson, <laughs> like to no one outside of him, then yeah. But you know, it has uh, implications for others. He as also well. in this scene talks about how his mom says that like the most important thing is like getting over and forgetting your past, and uh, like mom. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, uh -huh. yeah. And I Aside from that, right, the entire premise of this movie is that it is about a man who grows up in the Jim Crow South and is, on a fundamental level, his brain works in a way that he does not understand racism. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, to me, how he's characterized. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And, I, and that's interesting as both, you know, it's thought-provoking in terms of how we sort of conceptualize intelligence in America. And also, again, you're like, oh, this was the biggest movie of 1994. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His like superpower is he's, and this is a very, uh, feels like of the time, particularly for people who are like relitigating and understanding like the sixties and seventies, like his superpower is that he is non-ideological. Like that's it. Like that's what, that's what he does. And he runs and knows when to invest money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. He knows how to delegate. Yes, absolutely. And everyone finds him lovely as a result. So we're on a bench. Sorry to interrupt you. So we're on a bench. Yeah. We've gotten really far so far. <laughs> and he's talking to this lady who is simply trying to read a nice article about Nancy Reagan <laughs> or, you know, probably something else in there. Let's be honest. And starts to tell her the story of his life. And so throughout this movie, you know, the bulk of the movie is the frame of him sitting on a bench telling a kind of rotating cast of strangers his life story. And watching this today has been so long since I'd seen it that I was had misremembered it as, oh, this is like at the end of the movie, this is how he spends his days. He just tells his life story every day. <laughs> that's not true. So that's really nice because that would be... You become a bit of a menace at a certain point. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. I need to get the buzz, but I don't want to get Forrest. I just, I have to get to work, but I just can't hear about Jenny again. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sad. 
And so, yeah, so he grows up. We meet him at, I don't know, about the age of eight or so. Or maybe is he starting? He's No, he's starting school. So I guess he's... He is like somewhere between six and 12. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's hard to tell the ages of children. He's we a boy know. child. It mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And uh, this child actor actually is who Tom Hanks modeled his accent after, um, which I feel like is one of the things that keeps it from flying completely yes. into. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. should put into that parody. on screen to let you know up front. <laughs> so yeah, we meet him when he's getting fitted for braces for his legs because he's got a crooked spine. And then his first brush with history is that his mama, Sally Fields, runs a boarding house. And one of the people who passes through there is obviously Elvis. And so where does Elvis learn his dance? From Forrest Gump with his magic shoes. (laughs) I'm going to be doing a lot of this. Um, So buckle up. I think Chelsea tried to warn us that that they were going to do a lot of Forrest Gump impressions. And I was like, please bring it on. Yeah, I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it. Um, Yeah, and so he is watching Elvis play music and he's got the braces on his legs. So he's like, I just started swinging my hips to the music. And it's it's a great scene. And then a little bit later, you see him on the TV on the Ed Sullivan show, yeah. right? And he, and you learn, you know, you see that he learned from Forrest. And that's just the beginning of Forrest's profound effect on American history. <laughs> and one might ask, where would we be today if not for yeah. Forrest Gump? Possibly in a better place. It's, it's looking pretty bad lately, but you know, let's not worry about it. Uh, and can you tell us about Mama? Um, well, Sally Field plays Forrest Gump's mom. Sally and Field, who uh, six years earlier played Tom Hanks's love interest in a movie oh, nobody liked okay. called Punchlines, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, yes, she really cares about his schooling, so she ends up having sex with the principal um, Which in a really great scene. Which I think they cut some of that stuff out of the TNT version of this movie. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I remember it so vividly that I'm not sure that they Well, then did. I was much more naive as a 15-year-old. <laughs> But yes, she's so dedicated that she boinks the principal mm-hmm. and he's like, all right, Forrest, you mm-hmm. can come. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, because she goes, he goes, is there Mr. Gump, Ms. Gump? And she says, he's on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, she, yeah, so she very much cares about Forrest and teaches him that he is no different than anybody else. Yeah. And then, well, and then it feels like the next big thing is that he meets Jenny and the Forrest-Jenny relationship is really the whole movie, but I would like to, before you get into sort of what their relationship is like when their kids float my theory that this movie is about Forrest being like accidentally sort of lifted up and born on this current of great luck by the 20th century and Jenny being at every turn a victim of the 20th century. Like she's a part of as many different cultural movements as he is, but she gets abused in every one of them. Yeah. yeah, I saw someone say, um, and I obviously do not remember their name because I've never remem- remembered a name in the show, but I I saw somebody say that she is like the representation of like the idealism of like the 60s and 70s mm. and that you see her, you know, she's beautiful and she's yearning and she wants all of this great stuff, but like can't help but to be brought down. And Forrest is saved by having, you know, he's kind of got more of a zen attitude towards things. He's well, the, and he's, he's like a very fast white guy who can put a gun together quickly for some <laughs> reason. <laughs> Absolutely. That helps too. And he's tall. Yes. This movie really brings us back to the eternal dating question of hot or tall for men. <laughs> 
Okay, so what so what so yeah, happens next? Forrest we, and Jenny. Forrest and Jenny. Uh, Forrest is getting on the bus for his first day at his school, and he is, you know, walking through. We, we know this scene. Can't sit here, you know. No, don't sit here. And then he hears the sweetest little voice in the wide world. Oh, my God. says, you can sit here if you want. <laughs> can, are you, can you just do like a one-person show of yeah. this movie? <laughs> don't ruin the surprise. <laughs> so what happens next, Sarah? Yeah, well, and the, you know, and then for I'm going to try it, okay? Me and Jenny was like peas and carrots. Right. Perfect. No <laughs> she notes. taught me to climb and I taught her to dangle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the, I and I feel like a part of my theory of why this movie worked in like on the scale that it did, right? Because this I mean it's a long movie. It's not a small movie by any means I think the budget was like around 50 million dollars which is like that's a big scale to be working on especially at that time but I don't really think that it was predictable that it would have become the phenomenon that it did and I feel like part of what makes that make sense to me is that I remember watching it it was one of the many movies that my parents rented and were just like yeah you can watch it with us whatever (laughs) and understanding what was going on and also understanding it through the way Forrest saw things because he perceived things you know, in many ways, the way a child does, where by missing the details, you get the point. Mm-hmm. And there's, and I think, like, a thing that works about it, like, this movie is wild. I think at the end of the day, this is, like, a wildly conservative movie. But I think you can watch it and not feel that way and just, like, sort of see all the, like, be like, oh, like, the students from the Democratic Society are there. Oh, also, he's, like, abusive. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> oh, cool. There's the Black Party, <laughs> Panther Party scene. That's sort of, like, non-consequential. I think, like, there's enough in there. This is kind of brilliant in that talking about, like, greatest hits of, like, boomer nostalgia, like those commercials that we sort of grew up on where it was, like, the uh, compilation of of whatever songs oh, from yeah. the 70s. Mm-hmm. This is, like, one of those infomercials made into a movie. Well, this is what that soundtrack was, and I we had, if people remember, it was, like, a double CD soundtrack, right, that had those very cumbersome cases that would get dropped and broken so easily, and it was, like, a 101 class in 60s yeah, music. Totally. And they had that song about making love in your Chevy van. That's all I remember. Wow, did they? Um, but like this is like that. And and also it has, I mean, the the through line in it is this love story between between him and Jenny, which we'll talk about. But otherwise, it's just, again, like one of our favorite formats of movies, which is just a grab bag of vignettes. And like you can just sort of sail through it and remember all of these times in a way where like, because it has no overt ideology, like there's something in there for everybody. It's like a very like, what would be the word? It's, it's, it's smoothed over a lot of things so that it can feel like it's not a conservative movie because like Forrest Gump like picks up a book during uh, the school integration right. and helps her, you know, so they're like these moments, but they aren't necessarily like moments that actually lend to any kind of narrative other than just like look at the innocent forest he doesn't see color he does you know right, right. it's very like it's almost a little condescending well, you know, and even, and even we, we get that great scene where he he later and i'm sort of jumping the gun but we get the great scene where he's at the anti-war protest and he gives his speech and we never hear what his speech is because someone sabotages the speech which i think is brilliant because if you're watching the movie you can insert whatever you think force totally, would have said there totally, and totally. uh yeah hell yeah that's how you make a, a six or seven hundred million dollar grossing movie in 1994 take no sides <laughs> 
<laughs> risk nothing. Yeah. Yeah, its progressive take was like racism was bad. Yeah, I know. I know. George Wallace had it coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did. Fuck him. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Risk taker over here. <laughs> I'll say it. So brave. <laughs> okay, so Jenny and Forrest. Well, Jenny and Forrest, have they're met. friends. Yeah. They have started their friendship. The, the most important scene, that, or I mean, maybe not the more, most important scene, but the scene that I think is parodied the most. Mm -hmm. Yes. What is that? Yeah, well, of course, it's when bullies start chasing Forrest and throwing rocks at him, and Jenny says... Run, Forrest, run! Except, perfect. That was, that was great. Yeah. It's inside of us. <laughs> and he does, and his leg braces, his magic shoes fall off, and then he just kind of, you know, for the rest of his life, in many ways, keeps running. And and I'm crying at this yeah. point already. <laughs> That's the first time. Yeah. Oh, my. Well, and this, this aside from all the pop songs in this movie, the score is by Alan Silvestri. Mm. He's just a master at sort of getting a flathead screwdriver into the cry centers of your brain. Yeah. Also did Dave, which we recently did. Oh, yeah. See, exactly. I also I really miss like the time in the 90s when you would have a comedy with like a beautiful fluttery orchestral score. Totally. Mm -hmm. Where somebody's playing a triangle. Right. And it's like four minutes of an opening of like swells and like yes. just yes. hands. It was mm -hmm. great. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. We're just like, yeah, put in some Kesha. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, should we spend $4 million on the first four minutes of yeah. the credits of this movie? Yes, we absolutely. We should. Yeah, and so, you know, and he runs. And we also learn, and this also feels very key to these characters and kind of the way gender operates in their lives, that Forrest is raised by a single mother who loves him and protects him, and Jenny is raised by a single father who abuses her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it feels to me, like, throughout this movie that she's drawn to Forrest, but also, understandably, for many of us, addicted to abusive relationships. Yeah. And so Forrest is never enough. Yeah. I know. I know. And so, yeah, they grow up. They turn from cute little six to 12-year-olds into 35-year-old high schoolers. <laughs> you just got to make that transition and commit to it. You can't. <laughs> and it's such a great transition because it goes from him running from kids on bikes, chasing him, throwing rocks, to guys in a truck chasing him. And then uh, what, what happens as a consequence of this truck chasing, Chelsea? <laughs> well, as he's running, um, he's running so fast that he outruns the truck and cuts through the field and onto the local, I believe, is it the college field or high school field? I guess there's a college a football right field there. Yeah, or some, some place. And he uh, runs all the way across the football field and uh, they are very impressed with how fast he can run, and then he gets to go to college. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it. <laughs> and then, and as someone who has never been able to understand the rules of any team sport in my whole life, I love that they have to tell him when to stop running, because if they don't, then he'll just run clear off the field and just away forever. <laughs> and I don't know if they like got that information from Jenny because they all say run, Forrest, run. <laughs> like, is that a coincidence? Like, did he say Jenny says this and then I run? I don't know. <laughs> but So yeah, he goes to college. He becomes an All-American. He gets to meet President Kennedy, the first of three presidents that he meets. And then we decided that Ford and Carter were not exciting enough. 
Um, we got our nice uncanny newsreel footage. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're a child in the mid-90s, it looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it did. It yeah. really did. It looked really good. It really did. 90s. It's pretty seamless. Well, it was like, I remember we've talked a lot on this show about how much when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was be in in sort of movies and visual effects and watch like all of the television specials on it, whatever. And this that's how I know the most about this movie is because they talked about all of that. And this was like the first big, well, moderately big budget movie that came out where like the idea was to use special effects and not have it feel spectacular. Yeah. So they were like, make it seem like this person actually is hanging out with Kennedy. Make it seem like this person is actually for some reason having President Johnson say he'd like to see his ass. Yeah. Um, And they did it. He said that to everyone. I was like, what are we saying about Johnson in this scene? Well, you you know, the like, we have audio of like Johnson ordering pants from his tailor. I don't. And he's like, you got to leave some space for my bunghole. (laughs) (laughs) They're just like us. (laughs) This was a a thing with Johnson. He had a very big dick and it made pants a problem area for him. I had no idea. According to him. We're learning together. This is why we do this. <laughs> why go back to school? If you're talking about American history and you're not getting into President Dick's eyes, then like, are you even getting into the heart of the matter? No, I'd say not. So like, okay, spe- speed run of plot points because I want to discuss <laughs> themes. Yes. He goes to college. He graduates in a mere five years. An army recruiter turns up. He's like, have you given any thought to your future son? And he's like, thought? It's so fun. It's one of my favorite lines. Thought? Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Yep. And so he joins the army. Perfect timing for that because he gets to go to the Vietnam War. But he also meets Bubba, which I feel yeah. is important Tell on the recruiting bus. Um, Bubba is a shrimp captain. Comes from a long line of shrimping shrimpers. Shrimpers? I don't know. Well, people who shrimp. Um, and, um, he's also not the smartest man. And so they just kind of bond in this like very pure and sweet way and uh bubba teaches forrest about all the different kinds of shrimp so they've they've met he's got a new best friend a best good friend as he says yeah and then they get deployed to vietnam which is played by south carolina in this movie (laughs) the difference is undiscernible frankly (laughs) and where they meet lieutenant dan gary sinise who's the leader of their platoon And as you can imagine, he is a thin-lipped, angry little man, and so we all want to have sex with him. (laughs) That was my only contribution to the group chat earlier, as I was like, I know he's a Republican. (laughs) But Gary Sinise is so fucking hot, it's crazy. I know, I know. He looks like he'd yell at you and you'd be like, keep keep it coming. Keep it coming. And we learned there's like some great montages that, you know, just kind of crank it up to kind of a cartoonish place. Again, similar to Barbie. Uh, goes to my theory. And one of them is about a member of every generation of Lieutenant Dan's family has fought and died in every American war. Yep. <laughs> Which Lieutenant Dan aspires to. It's his destiny. Yeah. We, de- we decide to introduce destiny as one of our themes. Yes. And one of the questions that Forrest asks at the end is, you know, do, pe- do we have a destiny or are we just kind of carried around, like, I don't know, a feather in the opening credits of a movie? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Or like a plastic shopping bag in American uh, Beauty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of floating doing or representing in the Katy Perry in the song. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. 
People make fun of that lyric, but when I hear someone say, did you ever feel like a plastic bag? I'm like, yeah, all the time. For I mean, sure. at least she's using imagery. I'm destroying the environment and everyone wants to purge me from their home. <laughs> oh, there's that. Sarah Marshall but I can be refashioned up. into cordage. <laughs> oh, incredible. <laughs> so yeah, they go to Vietnam, you know, and Forrest is having an all right time because they're walking and seeing a lot of the countryside and they keep looking for this guy named Charlie who they don't seem to find. And then one day their whole platoon is attacked and Forrest sees Jenny before he gets shipped off and she's currently being a, a naked folk singer. She's trying to pursue her folk singer dream so she has to be naked during it because that's how the 60s worked. And so she's, her advice for him is, you know, if you get in trouble or you're in danger, just run away, Forrest. So he does, but he runs too fast and then he has to go back and, and save his buddies. Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah. It's, again, second time I cried, but it was like big cry. Actually, my partner, Miranda, who's here, had to leave the room uh, because she's like, I can't watch. I just can't watch this part. And oh, I uh, thought it was because you were crying. <laughs> <laughs> I love Miranda, and that sounded out of character. Miranda's like, Weak weakness is can't such a turnoff for me. I got to go. Get it together. So, well, she wouldn't not be with me if she couldn't handle my everyday crying bouts. Um, but <laughs> I think the I feel, I feel uh, that. <laughs> um, the very important part of this scene, aside from it being like an actual like good depiction of war and the horrors yeah. of war because you see like suck it Oliver Stone yeah. <laughs> so he saves everyone and then he comes back and finds Lieutenant Dan who's got like really serious leg injuries and he's like don't save me don't save me please don't save me and you know Forrest picks him up and he's yelling and screaming and he saves him um and then we cut to the army hospital no and then he goes back for Bubba yeah and oh, I was wondering on. if we could reenact <laughs> one of my favorite moments <laughs> Yeah, this is a comedy festival. Okay. Yeah, okay, all right, I'll try. I'll try. I'm, I'm Forrest. Okay. You can tell because I just knocked over a free beverage. <laughs> and so after Forrest has <laughs> carried Bubba out of the jungle, mm -hmm. they're like, he's holding him in his arms. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so sad, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Hey, Bubba. Hey, Forrest. <laughs> and then Bubba said something I'll never forget. Oh, it's so sad. Forrest, I want to go home. Uh, <laughs> I know. And scene. It's so sad. And that's what this movie is about. Yes, it is. <laughs> I couldn't remember because it blocked it out. <laughs> it's too sad. And I feel like, and part of, you know, what it felt good to think about talking about here is like that this movie became so big in its own time that it was kind of, you know, something like Titanic, where it feels like the amount of kind of jokes and parody about it at a certain point, you know, every time something becomes ubiquitous, we get the right as a culture to make fun of it. Mm -hmm. But also, was it somewhat about if a movie kind of is this ultimately sincere and able to get this strong of emotion out of you, is it kind of a cultural defense mechanism to make fun of it? 
Yeah. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> I think. Oh man, yeah. It's uh do, is there a lot of like parody of of that like dying scene? No, not that not that's that scene. Like, I feel that's kind of one of the moments we forget from the movie. And there are so many parts of it that are like parody to death, and then so many parts of it that don't have that kind of film around them and are just kind of exist on their own. So so yeah, Forrest ends up in the hospital of Lieutenant Dan, where we have, of course, my favorite and most quoted line, which is Lieutenant Dan, I <laughs> <Ice> scream. <laughs> oh, it's the best. It's the best. It's the, he's going like this. And he's like laying on his front because, oh, we forgot to say he oh, also yeah. gets, he something some jumps bit up me. and bit him. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he, so he gets shot. He gets, where is he? Yeah. In, in the buttocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doesn't uh, want to be crude. He, so also, I mean, I think it's worth saying that when Bubba dies, it's kind of the first of a series of like big, big traumas. And of course the war as well, but that, that Forrest also sort of goes through, but we also see him dealing with it in a really different way than other people deal with traumas. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. Which is, that's all I've got to say about that. Yeah. Yes. Which I was like, Oh God, that's so resonant. Uh, (laughs) It's the, the Forrest Gump, Louise from Thelma and Louise (laughs) (laughs) school of trauma. I've said all I'm going to say, and then I'm just going to sit here quietly and be deeply upset next to you. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, lock a cop in a trunk, whatever. Yeah. That was a good, that was a good approach. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so you're right. We have, we, I feel like Vietnam is kind of the hinge in this movie. Um, Yeah. So he comes home and uh, yeah, and things start to stack up. What, what happens after that? Well, first he becomes a ping pong star. One of the things I also love about Forrest is that he keeps becoming very famous and then no one can remember who he is during the next thing he does. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like famous ping pong star goes across the country. Like it's not a right. They're like this Alabama gardener is running yeah. around, and it's like he was a national celebrity like a year ago and for like three different things. Yeah. He, he runs a shrimp company. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do appreciate that in a, in a way for the realism of that. Is like right now, there's probably 500 people that are famous in one way or another, and I could identify by face three of them, especially if they approach me on a park bench and told me their life story. Yeah, but in the 70s, true. there were only 45 <laughs> yes, people who were that famous. is true. That is true. And none of them were on TikTok. <laughs> so he becomes a ping pong star because he starts playing ping pong in the military hospital that he's in and eventually gets so good that he's sent to China on the American team to bring peace to I love that China, part. essentially. It's yeah. like they said we were bringing peace, but I just played ping pong. Yep. <laughs> Which is kind of the crux of this movie, I feel like. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's just changing the world at every at every step. So there's like a little bit of a communism moment, you know. Mm-hmm. We've got to have a little communism moment, but Forrest is fighting communism. And then is that, so then does he go to the Vietnam more or the at the yeah exactly because like he gets called they're like you're done your service is done yes. He's like, can i still stop can i still play ping pong and they said not for the army he gets on the right. bus gets off the bus yes. accidentally gets off during a protest is swept up on stage i think he's introduced to the crowd by abby hoffman yes i i definitely has to be abby hoffman yeah. is most certainly represented in this movie and uh, wearing an american flag yeah. like button up yeah <laughs> he gives his anti-war speech which i guess at some point tom hanks suggested said 
something, something like when you go to Vietnam, sometimes your friends come home without their legs and sometimes your friends die. And then that's like Abby Hoffman, like, which is a very factual account of his time in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And we see Abby Hoffman who is heard because he's right next to him is like, that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. But we never hear that. So the movie can be like, we have no take. I mean, the movie is not terribly pro Vietnam to be no, fair. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. But it's like, let's not, let's not get explicit. Yeah, exactly. It's not an, it's not a seething indie. And then as soon as his speech is done, everybody cheers. And then you hear like, Forest, and then Jenny runs into the what is it? The The pool by the Washington Monument, the big pool, the pool where you (laughs) reflect on your choices, probably Mm -hmm. (laughs) where you reflect on the phallic symbol that is reflected down. Um, Yeah, she's the backwards dick pool. That was the original name. Yeah, Yeah, really big mistake changing the name. (laughs) We're not an honest country. <laughs> that is the theme of the movie. <laughs> That's the big theme we got there. <laughs> so she runs out into the pool because that would be like how she could be seen, which is such a good and and at that moment she is dressed exactly like her character in Princess Bride. She is. And, and it's really She's also funny. like the wig budget for Jenny is kind of a travesty. Yeah. Because like I'm bad at recognizing when someone is wearing a wig. So if I can tell it's a wig, it's a bad wig yeah i had no i didn't know she was wearing any wigs you gotta be thinking about i don't wigs. see wigs okay you're like forrest yeah, gump you don't so. see wigs you just see people you just see friends i just see people trying their best so they're reunited and then we had then this is kind of an interesting moment for the movie's political valence because she's going out with like a hippie organizer you know classic 60s lefty guy who beats her and and then he they and they go to a black panther party yes they do which feels like a bit of a straw man of 60s radicalism (laughs) yeah but also like there were a ton of absolute shithead men in the 60s who spent all their time espousing leftist values and abusing women. Yeah. It's nice to see that represented in a nostalgia piece. I, I truly, I truly loved it. I was like, this is the one thing that makes me be like, why did we choose one of the very few times we see the SDS on screen and the big screen in a way and make this the case? I do have that question. Sure, sure. But if you read any sort of narrative history about what was going on then, you had a lot of what Sarah just described. So I was like, I'm glad it's represented to yeah. somebody. What is um, the SDS? The Students for the Democratic Society, which he was a he was like the local rep of. And he was very much like almost the weather underground right. of the of Well, they were the, the precursor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. So it's like, it was nice that the, uh, like, it, I don't know. I, I did feel that personally, I may be wrong, but I did think the Black Panthers wouldn't have been down with him hitting Jenny. Or with Forrest showing up. Yeah, period. But yeah, period. Totally. yeah, but like it was very much <laughs> in like uniform. they in his stood full up military for, uniform. but they like stood up <laughs> yeah. for the guy who was beating up Jenny, which I felt yeah, like yeah. I just it didn't quite feel Rainbow Coalition one thing to the me. Black Panthers yeah. loved it was horrible white men. Yeah, who beat women. That wasn't really the vibe. Right. But, it's you know. kind of a different value system. Yeah. But you know, it's a, we got to get right through it. We got to pack in the the shit happens bumper sticker guy. We need to save time. <laughs> yeah, for we got to get it all. Get it all. The, I mean, but the payoff to this scene, which I do feel like has its strengths and, and weaknesses, and I, I agree with sort of that representation of the Panthers, was the punchline, right? Right, which is 
What does Forrest say after he starts a fight? I'm sorry, I had a fight in your Black Panther party. (laughs) Which I remembered as, I'm sorry, I ruined your Black Panther party (laughs) as like one of those Mandela effect lines. And when it came, I was like, no, like my line is so much better, but it is a good, it's a good moment. I think our brains like make sentences slightly more efficient when we try to remember them. Mm -hmm. And then the wording gets lost that way, but you you improved on it slightly. But (laughs) yeah, I love that Forrest, like probably like four or five times in this movie, like gets violent to defend Jenny and then has to apologize. And it's just very sincere. He's just it like, is, it I'm is. sorry, I had a fight. And every time he gets in a fight, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Are you like, willing to tell the story of the time you said something you did not expect yourself to say to somebody threatening? <laughs> you want me to tell that story? I really love that I hope story. You're, I hope you're ready. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. So I was sitting outside on a New Year's Eve. Midnight has struck. And I am with a girl that I am dating at the time. And we're sitting on the sidewalk. And we're making out. Very nice moment on, you know, celebrating New Year's. And a kid comes up to us. And he has his phone out. And he starts filming like this. And he's like, you guys want to have a threesome? Like, ha, 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 ha. Right? Just the most annoying person you could imagine. Just this, like, skinny little college kid. And, you know, at this point, I'm like 30. And I'm just like, so I stood up. And I slapped the phone out of his hand. And I said, you're going to die tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. I wasn't sure how the crowd was going to respond to that, so I'm glad that death threats are on the table here. I'm really glad. That's beautiful. (laughs) And I like to think it's on the phone. You know? Because it it kept recording, so I don't know. (laughs) Is that evidence? I'm not sure. (laughs) So yes, I I understand the Gumpian impulse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the thing I do like about his violence is like like everything about him is it's like not tied to ego. Like he gets in, and I'm not I am current encouraging this a little bit, but like he doesn't get into like punch and be like, I did the right like big man thing. He's like, someone's hurting Jenny and I'm gonna stop that person from yeah. hurting Jenny. I really appreciate that impulse, which seems to have been shaped by their childhood where oh, yeah. he observed and what happened to Jenny. Never jealousy. Right. So, which is so cool because yeah, you it's would pragmatic. think Yeah, he's just not that's not his intention. It's just so it's the simplistic like someone's being hurt. I have to stop that from happening. And his yeah, and then he's so contri- he's just got so much contrition and yeah. it's so sad. Yeah. And there's like so much happening sort of in Tom Hanks's facial expressions that make this character work like he has to do a lot of what he does non-verbally I think he's so good at it he's got such a beautiful he's a it's a beautiful performance um okay so Vietnam speech Vietnam speech reunites with Jenny she has to fuck off with the horrible guy again yeah, of course. He, Forrest mm-hmm. accepts his fate and then really his next major act and kind of the part that people remember most aside from the war stuff is that he fulfills his promise to Bubba that they were going to start a shrimp boating company together. Uh, He gets a shrimp boat because Mama negotiated a deal with some sponsors, very relevant to today's media landscape, (laughs) who wanted for us to say that he used and enjoyed their paddle when he was Mm -hmm. spreading democracy Mm -hmm. in China. And so he gets $25,000 for endorsing a paddle that has a picture of his face on one side and on the other side, Chairman Mao. 
<laughs> feels very true to the kind of products we were making in about yeah. 1975. <laughs> and so he takes his money, gets a shrimp boat. It's not doing so hot. But Lieutenant Dan, who has, you know, we've since also seen Forrest having a very, like, divorced dad's custody weekend with him. Oh, God, <laughs> yes. So true. Oh, my God. Uh, Lieutenant Dan is really struggling but he at the time was like, if you ever become captain of a shrimp boat, I'll be your first mate. And then, true to his word, he shows up and is like, I'll be your first mate, like I said really meanly that time. And I am crying. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. this is how men express affection in America oh. historically. You never say a nice thing until somebody until you're like about to die. Yep. And also what I love is that there's a part later on where he's like, I never thanked you for saving my life. And then he doesn't thank him. <laughs> but it's so much, just it's so it much nicer. Yeah. It's so much nicer than Forrest's dad who just went on vacation. Yep. So at least he has a mm-hmm. uh, uh, Lieutenant Dan here to, you know, recognize the fact that he hasn't apologized and that being the closest he's okay. ever going to get. <laughs> it's a lot closer than many of them get, I think. <laughs> Okay, so yeah. and so they do yep. they and and classic Forrest Gump luck, I and I love the sequence. They're manning the shrimp boat. They're not having very much luck, and then a hurricane comes through, and Lieutenant Dan is like lashed to the mast, screaming at God. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite it's parts. It's so beautiful <laughs> with his like tied off legs, you know, yeah. like pants, and yeah, he's just up there like riding it and just like screaming at the storm. And it's we find out that it was a hurricane. Yeah, I don't hurricane know which, Carmen. Yeah, Hurricane Carmen, it. and it destroys every shrimp boat but theirs. <laughs> <laughs> and so suddenly they're the shrimp, you know, captains of the South. Yeah, yeah, and then. You know, they grow that apparently through Lieutenant Dan's very good business mind into the Bubba Grump Shrimp Company because, and it it feels to me like maybe the most overtly uh, conservative aspect of this movie that it's like, well, if you're a good person, you'll just kind of bob along and then eventually, you know, start a giant company. Yeah. Well, and, and the religious part of that, too, is because during the, the storm, because, you know, Lieutenant Dan's always kind of hated God. Right. You know, and you know. as this one does. <laughs> and uh, during that hurricane scene, I think, you know, Forrest says he thinks that Lieutenant Dan made his peace with God because it, because the storm stops, the sun comes out, and Lieutenant Dan is, like, swimming. It's a really beautiful scene. Yes. And um, so I think Real that... Real prosperity gospel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, like, there's that read too is that you know they made their peace with god and uh the bounty arrived the shrimp yeah. bounty yeah. and all those other <laughs> shrimp boat captains who've been working in that industry for a long time and yeah. some of whom we can see in our black god doesn't like them yeah. nope <laughs> and that's just like yeah the, it's it's not the overt stuff in the american myth that gets dangerous it's all the unspoken right. stuff yeah. underneath who mm-hmm. gets favored well that as far as like sort of like what does forest represent which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more in a bit, but the the one sort of overlapping dynamic I saw repeated a lot by people is he's like, this is like America's imagination of itself, which is like mm. a real stupid, real sweet, real fast guy who is in the <laughs> right right time and right place enough to become a gajillionaire, as he says, which is like the promise, you know? It's like, you don't have to be that smart. You just have to go real fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and be like, good. Right, like big, big quotes. You'll get that big yeah. Apple money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah. 
And then uh, in a scene I love, they get a call on the shrimp boat that his mama is sick. And so Forrest, after thinking for exactly five seconds, I counted, jumps fully clothed into the river uh, or into the water and swims to shore. And then the next we see him, he is running down the road to his mama's house yeah. with a suitcase in his hands. Because yeah. I guess, uh, yeah, I love the way he just kind of gets from point A to point B <laughs> when he needs to. And and yeah, and, and it's mama's time to die. And she and that's when she tells him about the box of chocolates. And I love his whole thing throughout of, you know, mama always had a way of explaining things in a way that I could understand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this is really the period of like trauma that has in a way nowhere to go and kind of watching that happen in the movie because then, you know, he stays in town after she passes and has a ton of money at this point but decides to mow the mow some grass for free (laughs) and then you know jenny comes for a visit and they have kind of until the very end of the story their period of greatest intimacy and he asks her to marry him and she says no he feels like she doesn't love him and then she does what any healthy rational woman would do which is to say that she does love him have sex with him and then leave it dawn and And disappear disappear. for years Mm -hmm. and then like the kind of least remembered part of this movie happens which is that and they have sex on the night of the bicentennial which is some kind of (laughs) metaphor for something and then the next day Forrest you know like not knowing what to do with himself and feeling kind of the compounded grief of just everything just decides to run back and forth across the country for three years. Alex, what do you make of this part in a movie that has been so chock full of just like, you know, big moment, big moment, big moment, and then it's late 70s, and they're like, I don't know, he runs around for a while. Well, I think it's like the like the whole like malaise thing, right, is that it's like we've been doing like 60s, 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 like early 70s, end of the war, sort of finishing communism, and like this is just like the weird period between all of like the big event stuff that you remember of the past two decades, and then before we enter the like quote optimism of the 80s, is we just like have someone who's like, I need to psychologically work through everything that just happened for the past 20 years Mm -hmm. it's going to require two and a half years of running back and forth which uh is a very on the nose metaphor that i appreciate yeah and it really resonates with a group of people who start following him yeah all of them also wearing inappropriate attire (laughs) this is jonestown time like literally this is like the 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 what 77 78 yeah that man's wearing overalls I mean, they've got sneakers on, so that's something. <laughs> and then, yeah, we come to, we're back to speed, and we find out that he's sitting on this bench because Jenny got in touch with him because she saw that he became famous for the traumatic ultra marathon that she inspired, so. <laughs> Unrequited love will really fuck you up. <laughs> but it'll give you rock hard calves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, he comes and, and meets her and, finds out that the one time he ever has had sex in his life, he managed to sire Haley Joel Osment. And uh, the amount of acting that Tom Hanks is doing in the moment where he is trying to ask Jenny if their son is smart. And Jenny's like, no, he's very smart. He's one of the smartest in his class. And you're like, oh, so his childhood will be really fun then. Yeah. (laughs) Other kids love smart kids. (laughs) So he's going to be depressed. Yeah. (laughs) And have a lot of anxiety. Forrest's son is going to get into Radiohead. (laughs) And 
and then Jenny says that she has a virus that, you know, all like she is another woman who is now going to die on forest. The virus isn't specified, and apparently in the novel that this movie is adapted from, fun bit of trivia, this is based on a book, uh, she has hepatitis C, which wasn't isolated until 1989. But I, growing up, always thought it was HIV. Did you guys think that? It is in the movie. Yes. Yeah. But no, they never stated it They explicitly. don't state what it is. Right, right, right. But it's 1981, yeah. and that is right when this like you know mystery virus was going around and it hadn't been named yet i think so it like that it's very heavily implied but then i read a review recently that said most likely it's hepatitis c and i was like what like i think that they're hinting at it being hiv because they can trust a 90s audience to be like oh i figured it out i'm proud of myself Uh but this was also a time when straight white women were not being considered as a group impacted by this at all yeah right we're like doctors at this time were so kind of trained in homophobia that on some level many of them seem to believe that if you were not a gay man you simply could not contract it right but jenny dies person yeah love syndrome she dies real fast jenny Jenny marries forrest it's like a very small wedding on his house property and who should appear but lieutenant dan with with his his, vietnamese wife with his new fiance susan (sighs) so nice and i'm fully weeping at that point do you remember how in seinfeld there was like they had all those fake movies that the characters would watch and one of them was called cry cry again (laughs) (laughs) that's what this movie should be called And um, the end of the movie, the ending beat of this movie, how many of you remember this? He puts his son on a bus, the same bus he boarded 30 years ago, and And the bus driver, (laughs) and the bus driver is still Siobhan Fallon. Yeah. Who has a not a true aged. star? And yeah, yeah, a true star. Of what this is movie. Forrest Gump about? It's about Siobhan Fallon. Yeah. <laughs> I would She's really like phantom. to get that. Yeah, <laughs> I would like to see that movie just from her side. <laughs> we have. About, I'm just letting you. We have about like 13 minutes left. So, what do we want to talk about for themes? I would like to say that Forrest Gump is a sock icon. <laughs> All, he's got great socks in this movie. I didn't notice. You what didn't notice. <laughs> Ironically, Lieutenant Dan is the one who gave him all the sock advice. It's true. And then tragically, Lieutenant Dan loses his sock 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 hosts. Sock hosts. So like like captaining the shrimp boat in honor of Lieutenant Dan's legs that he lost, he has to represent good He has to bring it. (laughs) Bring it. Okay. Yeah. That's a bring it on reference. We don't know where that came from. (laughs) We have socks as a theme. I mean, (laughs) I just wanted to start off like with a politically unsafe topic since we're taking risks. Yeah. Socks. (laughs) Well, I feel like the main, to me, the, the main question is sort of what do we think of Forrest himself? Because in my opinion, this movie is taking some very big swings. That's not an opinion. That's more than a fact. More of a fact, and um, and I think Tom Hanks is the one holding it together, you know. And that if the, if we didn't have a sense that the person portraying this character was never laughing at him, and was if we know that he's doing it with a with complete one hundred and fifty percent sincerity, which is the way I feel, I think that's what makes it work. And I feel like this the Forrest Gump sort of cliche has we've the humanity is the first thing to go when you do this sort of parody version. But what do you think? No, I, I think that I agree with you because I don't know. It's like you're you're hardly ever laughing at Forrest in like a mean way too, but yeah. he's so funny. Like 
Tom Hanks plays him so, so funny, but it's never in a way where you're like laughing because he's so stupid, right? No, yeah, and I feel like the things that he says generally are closer to the truth than most of the people he's existing alongside, and that's the kind of, you know, the Arthurian kind of Parsifal, the wise fool kind of role that he's playing Mm -hmm. in this. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like I love, I remember enjoying when I was a kid, and still in the same way enjoying when he's watching the very Abby Hoffman coded character, and he's like, for some reason, he was wearing an American flag as a shirt, you know, and just that he kind of he takes in what's happening in a way that he wouldn't be able to if he were bogged down in ideology or, or ego, and so it feels like. I don't know that this movie, it, I feel like I may be putting a little bit too much faith in it, but I feel like this is a movie that's struggling in a decade that's all about sort of individual excellence and being the master of your own fortune, which certainly is a big part of this too, inevitably, that it's also trying to think about what if there's more than one way to be intelligent? Mm. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, the, that generation, right? Would that be not? Would that be his? The me generation? Would that be his generation? That was what the baby boomers, boomers were called yeah. at one point. Back when boomers were being abused before they turned yeah. around and perpetuated the cycle. Ah, yes, yes, yes. But I know something that we should talk about is Jenny. Oh, too. I want to. I have this quote. Okay. So this is one of the reviews. Jenny, why are you so good to me, Forrest? You're my girl. Jenny, I'll always be your girl. And then this is the commentary from the, from the commenter. Stupid Jenny, you don't deserve such a beautiful soul like forests. And I, I, the only thing I knew about this movie going into it are all of the things that we've talked about, but also that people hate Jenny like they hate Skylar on uh, Breaking Bad. And I don't understand it at all knowing her history or her life or anything she went through mm-hmm. outside of misogy- misogyny is, sure. a, is a thing. Mm-hmm. But I, di- I didn't, I was like, why do we hate Jenny? Like, like maybe, and I thought that they were, I thought that maybe there's frustration because she's a representative of unrequited love and like, you mm-hmm. know, people think that they're heroes in situation, they deserve things that they, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I didn't understand it. Do you have? Str- I feel like you have strong Jenny feelings. I I don't. I wouldn't say I have strong Jenny feelings. I feel like I understand the frustration of Jenny because she tends to show up when it is like beneficial to her in mm. some way. And she finally commits to a relationship when she's dying of something and needs round the clock care, which certainly does give one pause. Yeah, and needs someone to take care of. You know, the the son that she did not tell him about for a long time. She made some bold choices, and she made them boldly yeah yes yes and I think that you know she did grow up super traumatized and continue to have trauma and she wasn't a like an abusive person to Forrest like she just kind of like she was just a disappearer and you know I mean many of us are disappearers I, I think I got the sense that she showed up when she had the capacity to okay and I I think that like we probably all do that more than we would like to admit. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. So mm-hmm. I think like in a way like she makes people uncomfortable. But I was like, I don't know, like that whole her whole origin story to me speaks to being like this is a person who probably is going to have some difficulty showing up yeah. for the rest of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And there's that amazing scene where she comes back 
to Alabama and is living with Forrest and they're on this walk and she leads them to the house that she grew up in that she was like mm-hmm. severely abused in by her father and she just starts hucking rocks at the house and Forrest says something like uh, I guess there wasn't enough rocks in the world because he still doesn't like fully understand yeah. what had happened in the house and after she dies for it, there's just this short little scene where Forrest shows up with a bulldozer and knocks over the whole house. I know. And it's so beautiful. It is so beautiful. <laughs> and I do think people like, you know, look at Forrest as this like just benevolent id almost, mm-hmm. which generally the id is not so benevolent, but in his case it is. And I think that like, Jenny is kind of the opposite of, of of like this cynical person who is so worn down by the world and they just that interaction I think makes some people feel angry because mm-hmm. you know it's like this cynical thing is hurting this beautiful innocent soul like yeah. forests and I mean that's just I don't know I think Forrest has a lot of trauma as well, but it's different kind of trauma. I think he has a, a, a mm-hmm. kind of trauma that wasn't as like fundamental to him. Yeah. Like it wasn't when he was a child growing up having this experience with his father, right? It doesn't, it's not the same foundation. And so I think, you know, I think we can give Jenny a, a lot of grace, but you know, she also didn't, you know, she wouldn't stick around. I don't know. I think, I think it's complicated. Yeah. It's really complicated. I don't have. I feel like you should do what you're wrong about on Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, another maligned woman of the 90s. Do you have a strong, what, what do you have strong Jenny feelings, Sarah? I think part of it is that she's just not written that yes. well. Yes. You know, there's just, we don't get a ton of time with her. We only see her the way Forrest sees her. It's a bit of yeah. a 500 days of summer. Yeah. You know, like I, her psychological state makes sense to me. And also it's just, it's not, the movie is not about her. Yeah. And it feels like the sort of the viewer impulse to sort of, and you know, and then maybe the key thing too is that Forrest represents the kind of maybe overall greatest American dream that our hardship will only cause us to make more money. Yeah. And yeah. Jenny represents the opposite of that. And we do like to push that away. And Jenny's a woman. Famously. You know, famously. <laughs> yeah. And I think that there's probably something to, you know, that that dichotomy through those years of like who is able to rise on sort of just the wind yeah. On a breeze. I mean, Forrest. <laughs> and who's not? It wasn't a kind to time to idealists, I will say. No, no, no. Nor has it ever been mm. since. No, no. Yeah. But yeah, Forrest is a feather and maybe Jenny is something that the breeze can't carry that way. You know, like yeah. he gets a, a college scholarship because he can run real fast and Jenny gets kicked out of college for wearing a sweater suggestively <laughs> in a Playboy pictorial. Perfect example. Yeah, yeah perfect example. Hey, hey Chelsea. So I have a question. Yes. For you. <laughs> I think you know the answer. <laughs> I actually don't. I'm excited. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, we know that Forrest's father is on vacation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who, in your view, is the daddy of Forrest Gump? Okay. All right. The daddy of Forrest Gump is Lieutenant Dan. I think it's got to be Lieutenant Dan. I mean, both in the way that I feel like he plays kind of a father role to Forrest Gump. And he's also really hot in this movie. And the main person that I would call daddy if I had to call someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we kind of rarely ever just double down on someone's answer, but I can't help it. I know. In this case, um, Gary Sinise 
famously of the Steppenwolf Theater. <laughs> Simmering heartthrob asshole. I love him. And, and to our point, like he shows up as much like Forrest's dad as anyone else is going to, to humorous effect where uh, he uh, hangs out with Forrest and ladies of the night at uh, his, his bachelor apartment. Uh, he helps out on the boat. He comes to his wedding. It's really nice that Forrest that's has stuff, that. It's a uh, Lieutenant dad. Lieutenant. <laughs> Sarah Marshall. <laughs> yes. Who is your daddy? My daddy is Forrest Gump because he does what any daddy needs to, which is to love you even when he doesn't understand what the hell is going on with you. Mm. That's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> Haley Joel's been so lucky. <laughs> well, I think we did it. Did we do it? <laughs> Thank you. Chelsea Weber Smith. Thank you. Thank you, San Francisco. It's been lovely to see you. Run, audience, run. All right, everybody, that is it for this week's episode of You Are Good, a feelings podcast about movies. Thank you to Chelsea Robert Smith for talking with us about Forrest Gump at San Francisco Sketchfest. Thank you to San Francisco Sketchfest for having us. Thank you to the Gateway Theater in San Francisco for hosting us and uh, recording this. We are so appreciative of all of it. Thanks for having us. It was truly a highlight of the past couple of years. Thank you to Miranda Zickler for editing and producing this very episode. Thanks to Fresh Lesh for providing the beats that make our episode sound so sweet. We really appreciate you, Lesh. Thank you for listening. Thank you for finding us on social media, uh, wherever you find us on social media, where you are good or you are good pod. We have videos over on uh, Reels. Uh, I, I post them sometimes over on uh, tic- my own TikTok. We, we, we are just making content. So come find us in those places. <laughs> Say hello. Let us know how you're doing and what's going on. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon and Apple Podcast subscriptions. Uh, we appreciate that you make the show possible. And I think that's it for now. Don't forget that you, my friend, are good. <laughs>